Thank you for joining us for another great episode of Our Rights, Our Freedoms by UWGB College Republicans. On this week's episode, we talk about how COVID-19 is affecting the market and how the private sector is stepping in to help fill the demand. We also talk a little bit about the stimulus bill that passed in the upcoming April election here in Wisconsin. Let's dive right in. Well, welcome back. And I hope everyone's enjoying their nice quarantine (laughs) that we are all experiencing. I know I'm definitely not enjoying it. (laughs) Um, Being able to go out and be social is something that I like to do. Um, And it's something that we can't really do too much of right now. Um, I'm joined this week with Will and Emily again. So I want to start off with a nice little story to kind of lead us into this whole COVID-19 thing that I saw was amazing when I was door dashing last week. And I'm sure many of you love door dashers right now. And door dashers love the tip amounts and the business that they're getting. But I saw this one key thing that made me excited about this whole situation. As I was delivering food for Chipotle, they, like many others, only allow digital and delivery orders. Many restaurants at first were struggling, and many still are. However, if it wasn't for Americans wanting to innovate through processes like third-party delivery, online ordering, and other technological advances, we'd be in a much worse situation right now. But anyway, as I was sitting there with 15 other delivery drivers inside and outside the building, Chipotle's online ordering ticket system was flooding with orders. The staff remained focused and apologized for the wait. Only in the free market is this possible, that people still want that demand for Chipotle, and they will be able to figure that out, and Chipotle will be able to fill that supply. It amazes me what the free market allows businesses and consumers to do. Even though people are not allowed in the restaurant, they still find a way to get their product. And during the first week, that many of these restrictions were put on businesses. They created different techniques to make sure that their product could get to their customers. Outside the restaurant world, the free market and capitalism helped many out of poverty. Uh, The study from the Heritage Foundation, which examined two decades worth of information across 180 countries, showed that free market capitalism the free flow of goods, services, and capital were able to pull millions of people out of poverty. And this ultimately is something that the free market does well. And that's why businesses, I believe, can still go out and sell products today, even with these restrictions. Ultimately, capitalism, a lot of people on the left say that capitalism fosters greed and Currently, I am not seeing that, um, especially from the restaurants in the industry. Um, Yum Brands, the CEO donates his salary to the GMs and bonuses of $1,000. Texas Roadhouse's CEO gives up the salary and bonuses his workers during the COVID-19 outbreak. Starbucks? Employees will be paid for the next 30 days, whether they go to work or not. 
and Panera provides meals to children in Ohio. And Spectrum offers free internet to many students that don't currently have internet due to them having to do their homework assignments at home. <laughs> I don't know how this seems like greed to me and these large companies just taking in all this money, essentially. But ultimately, I feel like capitalism helps companies give back um, to their employees and to the communities. Do you have anything to add, guys? It's interesting to contrast uh, what went on in America with all these, the private sector kind of stepping up and filling the void uh, with what happened in China in the beginning. Because back in like January and February, um, basically the, the communist central government of China uh, was sort of shutting down the private sector and private enterprise because they were suspicious of basically anything beyond the government's jurisdiction and kind of saw how that played out for them. So pretty mm -hmm. cool to see stuff like this in free markets. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, and then I guess going a little more into the virus itself and how companies are, I guess, making ventilators too. Um, Ford and GM are both jumping on board um, to help the demand or help meet the demand of these ventilators. Um, and many other private companies have been doing this as well. Um, so then let's jump to the stimulus bill. Um, so I'm just reviewing this article written by Forbes, um, essentially that goes through uh, the different funding that this stimulus bill had. Um, so the Senate bill put $25 million to the John F. Kennedy Center and this is down from Pelosi's bill that was issuing funds of $35 million, essentially. And we're going to see this across the board as I read these. Essentially, the Senate's bill has a lot less funding to these organizations. Um, and then in the Senate bill, there's $75 million funding Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Um, this is down from Pelosi's bill of $300 million that she wanted to put in there. And $1.2 billion in the Pelosi bill was required for airlines um, to purchase renewable jet fuel. And the Senate took out that provision, which is, I think, a very good thing. Um, because why push, I guess, green initiatives if this is just a bill to help Americans get back on their feet? Then there was $1.1 in the Pelosi bill um, that was going to go to the Institute of Museum and Library Services and the National Endowment of the Arts and Humanities. Um, the Senate bill still provided $200 million, but this is way down from the $1.1 billion that Pelosi wanted to put in there. And then the Senate also stripped out $25 billion that was supposed to go to the post office. And that I just find funny. I'm like, okay, so a government entity is not doing well, essentially. So, but we see corporations on the private sector doing a lot better in shipping, like UPS and FedEx. Um, so I just am kind of happy that they took that out because private companies can do a lot better at shipping and the post office still does do a lot of things that private companies don't. And then in the Senate bill, 
It also $88 million went to the Peace Corps, even though the agency just fired 7,300 volunteers. Um, so that I found find kind of interesting. And then $200 million went to the Internal Revenue Service, which is kind of uh, weird. <laughs> what? Uh, and then $400 million went to the Federal Election Assistant Commission. This bill essentially had a lot of different areas that they wanted to get funding. Um, some of them got more funding than many people would have liked. Coming from my opinion, I think that it should have just been a bill to get those people out who are not employed currently funding in some sort of aspect until this whole thing goes over, essentially, because the way I see it is the government is essentially trying to force companies and force people to stay inside. And when they do that, they can't go out and do what they normally do. They can't spend money. They can't work. So essentially, I just wanted it to be that little short-term funding bill, not something that I guess is the largest funding bill in United States history. So I guess kind of leading from that, um, we can go back into the free market. And the United States, I don't know what you... How about you guys take a guess on how we rank in terms of a free market compared to the rest of the world? I'm going to say top 10. Okay. Will? I know the answer, but if I had a guess, <laughs> I would say top five. Okay. So this was kind of shocking to me as well. Um, but we actually ranked 17th um, in the world. Oh, wow. So that's a little more further down than what I expected. Now, the country that ranks the highest is Singapore. And then Hong Kong is second. And when I saw Hong Kong, it kind of confused me because I'm like, oh, China. Yeah. But Hong yeah. Kong is its own little entity. Right. Um, China right. ranks way down on the list to, <laughs> yeah. let's see here. I had it a little bit ago, but it was it was mostly not free. Um, and that's China ranks 103rd um, in terms of ranking. So they're way oh. down there. So I know... <laughs> A lot of people get Hong Kong and China messed up, but please don't. Um, so Could you read out the top five? Yeah, so the number one is Singapore. Number two is Hong Kong. Number three is New Zealand. Number four is Australia. Coming in fifth is, Aust is uh, Switzerland. And sixth is Ireland. Not a uh, single country has a an overall score of 90. That's kind of... That's, they don't. that's depressing. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully one day. Yeah. We, can, we can only dream. So, yeah. So, I kind of want to dig into, I guess, a little more about the United States and why they're the 17th freest um, country. So, this is actually a de decrease. When they did the study uh, last year, it ranked a little higher, and this year when they did it in 2020, it decreased by 0.2 um, of a point. And the United States is ranked third among 32 countries in the Americans region. So in our little neck of the woods, we're ranked third. Um, and one thing that really brings us down, which 
again makes me kind of upset about the stimulus package, is uh, our excessive government spending and intrusive regulation of the healthcare and the financial sectors. Um, so this is the thing that we marked um, that we were marked the lowest on was government spending. And that stimulus bill that was passed, <laughs> adding to the trillions of dollars that we already have in debt. That doesn't um, help. Did, no, it definitely does not help. And then moving on. So essentially, the government spends a lot of money. Um, and so do Americans. <laughs> and Americans really don't, according to this study, know how to sa save their money. So... In this article by Market Watch, a shocking number of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Um, almost three in ten adults have no emergency savings at all, according to Bankrate's latest financial security index. Um, so that is definitely not good. And then, according to Nielsen, one in four families making $150,000 a year or more are living paycheck to paycheck, while one in three earning $50,000 to $100,000 also depend on their next check to make sure that they stay above water. This is not good. And then it brings me to another article by Market Watch. Financial literacy skills have taken a nosedive since the Great Recession. So this survey surveyed 27,000 people and found that people aged 18 to 34 years old had the sharpest drop in answering these financial literacy questions that the survey asked. So it declined from 30% to 17%. And then in contrast, 51% of the study participants aged 55 and above answered four of the five questions correctly in 2009 and 48% did the same in 2018. Um, so that's, I guess, a little upsetting to me that our generation is falling in financial literacy and our government continues to spend a lot of money. And I guess what I would like to see is more ability to teach that savings is good. If we saved money, we could go a week, two weeks, three weeks without working. And that's just something that I feel like a lot of other countries do well, but not currently in America. I know I even have some issues <laughs> spending more money than I should. And I know a lot of people um, probably should save more of their money than what they realize. And then, Emily, do you want to talk about elections on yeah, April yeah. 7th? For sure. Um, so, like you said, the election is coming up on April 7th. And it's a really important election for us. Um, not only is it a presidential primary, um, but it's also a general election for a lot of local offices and court positions, like the Wisconsin Supreme Court. Um, so I guess I'll just talk about two of the... Uh, candidates. So for Wisconsin Supreme Court, currently it's Jill Karofsky versus Daniel Kelly who are running. And um, I like Daniel Kelly because he's experienced and um, he's the incumbent. So he's experienced and he really prioritizes the rule of law and upholding the Wisconsin Constitution and obviously the um, 
American Constitution as well. Um, so one thing that I really like is he defended Milwaukee School of Choice program, um, which I think is really important. Um, School of Choice is very important to me. Um, and then running for Brown County Circuit Court Judge, um, Andy Williams and Bo Lee Joyce. Um, I like Andy Williams because he's a veteran. Um, he has a lot of respect for the rule of law, just like Daniel Kelly. And he's also super involved in the community, which is really important. So get out there and vote, but also don't get out there. Vote um, absentee. That's what a lot of people are recommending. So, yeah. Okay. Absentee vote. Awesome. Um, and then I know for those who are still going out to vote, a lot of the polling centers um, I recently saw are implementing like plexiglass security things um, and then putting six foot markers um, from where the polling people could stand. So they are um, taking precautions for those who still go out and vote. And I know essentially we want people to go out to vote, and but if they have to, um, and if they feel safer to make sure that they put in their absentee um, ballot requests. And I believe the deadline for that is either tomorrow or on Thursday. I think it's um, April 2nd. Yeah. So making sure that you get that um, done by then is important. Please make sure to share this podcast and join us next week for another amazing episode do you have something you'd like us to research and discuss? Please email us at socollegereps at UWGB as we continue to strive to be that conservative voice you need to continue to stand up for our rights and freedoms today and into the future.